Do you remember when Ash dies? I do. And Ash dies? Did you cries? And little Did tears float off his face? And he's trying to shock him to life. He's like, Pikachu! I saw this. I saw this. <laughs> Holy shit. That's like very deep. That's a deep, that's a core memory. Whoa. Dude, that... That's a core memory for a lot of people our age because we all saw that and we're, like nobody went to admit how emotional we all were, but we were really emotional was, watching Ash die. I was eight years old and I remember like being going like I was trying to hype up my parents for this and being like, this is the cinematic like <laughs> experience experience of, of my lifetime. Ash is dead. Does, does come back to life? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they bring him back to okay. life. Well, he turns into stone and then Pikachu's tear turns him back. All, no, all the oh, all the yeah. Pokemon's tears kind of yeah. come up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they all cry. Yeah. And if you went to theaters, you got a special Mew card. I did. Do you remember that? Yeah. And I went to McDonald's a bunch, and they gave out those, like, gold-plated cards in the Pokeballs. Oh, dude. I think those, dude, yeah. Gold-plated Pokemon (laughs) cards. I have those. Yeah. They're not even cards. They're literally, like, bars. Bars of metal. It's, like, this big, and they're heavy, and they, like, sit in the plastic Pokeball. And even as a kid, I was like, it's weird that this heavy metal thing is in a plastic case. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very special episode of Not Your Father's Movies. I'm Vito. I'm Mike. And I'm Jesse. And we are some, you know, I was going to say mom fathers, but I don't like that. We're just the dad fathers. We're the dad fathers. And we're coming at you with a mixture of mom energy and some big bug hunt energy. (laughs) Is this just another bug hunt? (laughs) I think you did say mom fathers, though, Jesse, even though you didn't want to. I was happy. Everybody understands my feelings on it now, and that's what <laughs> The reason that Jesse is having these feelings is that this very special episode of Not Your Father's Movies is actually for Mother's Day. This happy is our... Mother's Day. Yeah, happy Mother's Day. All you moms out there, our wives, our moms, their moms, our, our aunt's moms, same mom. We're here just like celebrating Mother's Day because a big part of being a dad is that there's a mom. Yeah. And for every dad, there's a mom or two close to his heart. So we decided that for our first Mother's Day episode, we're going to talk about Aliens. Aliens! Yeah! <laughs> it's definitely the, the, the momest movie that we could think of. Yeah, yeah. I just like, we shot past all romantic comedies. We shot past all period historical dramas. And we have ended up here with James Cameron's sequel to 1979's Alien, Aliens. Because there are moms in here. Or at least one actual mom and one mom figure. Yeah. Yeah, an adopted mom. There's an adopted mom here. Yeah. And then there's some sort of hive bug queen also. We'll talk about that. So this is Aliens from 1986, the sequel to 1979's Alien by Ridley Scott. This one, though, is directed and written by James Cameron. It's his third movie behind Piranha 2, The Spawning, and (laughs) The Terminator. (laughs) Now, I have to ask, is there a lot of love for Piranha 2, The Spawning? I mean, personally, I think it's his greatest movie, but mm. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I haven't seen it. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> it spawned a great love of him from me. Ooh, smooth. Because it's the spawning. <laughs> that is why you're right. <laughs> I get it. But, you know, everyone knows James. Everyone knows James Cameron. 
he is possibly the most well-known blockbuster filmmaker, maybe of all time, uh, which is surprising given the small number of movies that he's actually made. Besides those two, he's also done The Abyss, T2 Judgment Day, True Lies, Titanic, and Avatar. That's it. Is that really it? That is it. That's so wild. he has a hand producing many things. Yeah. You know, he he's executive producer credit and a lot of stuff. Not like Steven Spielberg, who apparently just puts his name up on Etsy for the highest bidder. <laughs> but he does have a lot of things that he's involved in. There's like some talk over him directing or writing. And in the end, it just comes down to him shepherding the project along. Um, yeah. Can I just point out that we have Aliens, a huge sci-fi franchise, and then Terminator, another huge sci-fi franchise, and then you have Titanic. At the time, the highest grossing movie of all time, it was an absolute sensation. And then you have Avatar, again, an absolute sensation, right? Mm-hmm. Like again, also the smashing records. movie of all time. Yes. It, it was yeah. briefly surpassed by um, Endgame, right? Avengers Endgame, but Briefly. it came back up on top. They were mm-hmm. like, "Now let's put it back in theaters for a minute." Mm-hmm. It's wild. Yeah, it, it is. He's a he's a strange guy. Okay, James Cameron, strange fella. He's been married five times. He is a National Geographic explorer in residence, and mm-hmm. he is the only single man to have two films to make two billion dollars at the box office, and the only man to have two movies in the top three. For both of those, he's also the first to do that. Okay, so that's also for Avatar and Titanic. He's the first to have five wives? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. How many of them are moms? Three, huh. I think. There you go. I think three. Uh, uh, we'll, get, we'll get to them. <laughs> I, I have them down here. Okay. okay, okay. So he's been nominated for six Academy Awards. He's a three-time winner, though, for all of them. Okay. Uh, he won all three of those for Titanic. Now, the wives. Okay, he's been married to Sharon Williams, Gail Ann Hurd, who is a producer on this movie and several other of his films going forward. Another one is Catherine Bigelow, who won Best Picture over him at the 82nd Academy Awards. Their films tied for most noms, but hers, The Hurt Locker, won for Best Pick and won more than Avatar did. She is the first woman to win Best Director. Pretty stellar. Great movie. Yeah, and then that win. I think it did. I think it did. That was a that was a difficult year, but the Hurt Locker is really intense. Oh, it is really over Avatar. Yeah, I I think pretty unquestionably. Mm-hmm. He's also been married to Linda Hamilton, star of Terminator. Oh, and then now since two thousand to Susie Amos. Uh, so twenty one years, and they have moved to New Zealand together, and they have founded a vegan-only movement that uses animals in a really interesting way to propagate healthy soil to make growing things better. very cool. Yeah. That's awesome. She's very, very involved with environmentalism, as is he, and they've set up several different sort of foundations and companies to let this happen. Like, James Cameron is a busy dude, but Susie Amos has her own sort of track that that she's on that he's helping her with. So that's cool. After, After four, he found the fifth one and is like, all right, you, I guess. I don't know. That's me conjecturing. Okay, so even though James Cameron has a tiny kind of number of movies that we all know, we know all of them. And in between Titanic, which is 1997, and Avatar, which is 2009, he was really, really busy. He got very much into deep sea exploration. He has personally traveled to the Challenger Deep, which is the deepest known point in the ocean. 
and is only the third person to do so after a two-man team in 1960 aboard the Bathysphere, which is insane. Whoa. He, he embarks on a solo mission more than 40 years after the first mission to go to the deepest known point in the ocean. James Cameron, Academy Award <laughs> winning filmmaker, <laughs> goes to the bottom of the ocean alone. How long was he there for? I think it's three hours. Three hours. Yeah. Imagine like you're just having a bad day and like you wake up, you're like, oh, shit, I'm going to the bottom. Like, I just don't feel good. Like, like you, you know, those days <laughs> when you're just like, oh, I'm kind of sore everywhere. I'm like, that's today. Like, maybe do it tomorrow. Like, no, you got to go today. There's a storm coming tomorrow. Right. Oh, but I hate the bottom like, he's of the kinda, ocean. He's like, it's so <laughs> ugly. Just like looking at his phone. He actually discovered several expeditions that he helped with. Uh, he made several documentaries. Some of them might be on Disney Plus, but they actually discovered several new species while they were down there of like sea cucumber. Mm -hmm. And I think they discovered one new squid species, something like that. Cool. So like he's busy all the time. Did they name one of them the xenomorph? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so disappointed. That's a wasted opportunity. <laughs> Bottom of the ocean creatures and not one of them is named xenomorph. It's just like, look, it's a new sea cucumber. How fun. Ew. Look at it floating. <laughs> oh. I, I remember I, I went to like a talk given by this guy. I can't remember his name for the life of me, but he's he's very famous as like an explorer in like his mission was to map the oceans. And he was like, we're all like focused on going up to the stars. And there's so much like financing going to to that. And this was, I don't know, 20 years ago. But like what my goal is, is to map the ocean. That's most of the earth. And I know James Cameron was very involved with him in that mission as well, which is really cool. Yeah. Like, gosh, $2 billion grossing films. You can do that sort of thing. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will personally finance deep sea exploration. Yeah. Let's do it. So there's that. He has four children, but he also has four upcoming Avatar sequels. <laughs> this year in 2027. <laughs> he has many sequels coming up as children. That's great. Exactly. He is making the Avatar franchise whether we want it or not. <laughs> hasn't um, hasn't the sequel been coming out for about 10 since 2011? Years? Yeah, okay. Yeah. 10 years. Is it actually coming out this year? He says so. Okay. But I mean, he's been saying so for 10 years. <laughs> Apparently, so the the sequel is called the Way of Water. These are standalone sequels. They will oh, okay. feature some characters from other ones and some not. Obviously, the, it's not Avatar 2. Okay. It's Avatar colon The Way of Water. So okay? it's like in the universe, but not necessarily connected in terms of story. Yeah, I think he's bouncing around in terms of timeline as okay. to when the stuff happens. Some some of the stuff happens a lot later than the first one. Some of it happens closer. Yeah. That, that's a wasted opportunity. The way of what you, you name it the wave of water. You know, you go along with the wave. Like, what is he doing? It's a very dad thing to say, I feel like. It is. It's, it's good. I guess the, the weight, though, that we've been, I mean, we've, we've all just been on pins and fucking needles about the way of water, right, guys? The, Sorry, the wave of water. The wave of water. He's going to change it after you can. Avatar colon, the wave of water. Uh, it's been about the technology, trying to get the motion capture to work with the underwater in the way that James Cameron wants. So that's supposed to be the end of this year. It's supposed to be kind of doubt it. Haven't heard anything about it, but Hey, he might prove us wrong. And I just checked IMDb. It says it's slated for release in 2022. 
Yeah, uh, there you go. It's already moved. <laughs> so the one after that, so because Disney has acquired Fox, which owns Avatar, is that they're going to do an Avatar movie every other year. And in between years, they're going to do a Star Wars movie. So that every year at the end of the year, there's going to be a big event thing. Wow. Star Wars, Avatar, Star Wars, Avatar. Okay. It's exhausting. Yeah. So 2023 is going to have Squadrons, I think. Star Wars yeah, Squadrons of Patty Jenkins right. directing mm-hmm. Wonder Woman fame. And the year after that, we're going to get Avatar the Seed Bearer. The Not seed a good title. Bearer. One of the worst titles I've ever heard in my life. The Seed Bearer. Interesting. It's about a pregnant woman. I'm calling it. I'm calling it. <laughs> Apparently, it's, it might actually be about actual seeds. That is the speculation. No, that's even worse. That's actual way worse. seeds. Yeah. Is it going to be like an ants type film? That would be great. Woody <laughs> Allen starring in Avatar 3. <laughs> See, it's just like in a bag talking to each other. <laughs> the fourth one is called the, I think it's called the Tolkien writer, T-U-L-K-I-N writer. Don't know what that is. Again, again, Tolkien, Rolkin, Jolkin, Smolkin, whatever Spelled it is. differently. Like that's, that's the way it should have been. That's right. The what? The Tolkien? I think, I think it's what it is. What? It's Avatar meets Lord of the Rings. Oh my gosh. Finally. Tolkien, Rolkin, Jolkin, Vulcan's universe? No, but it's there. And the finally, ending in 2027, we have the quest for Iwa. Iwa. Huh. I'm looking at Jesse's face right now. Jesse, I'm going to say it one more time. The quest for Iwa. Nope. I got nothing, yes. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> of course. I mean, like... That sounds like the quest for Ewoks, so eventually Star Wars and Avatar have to meet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Long time ago in a galaxy far away, <laughs> it's going to be Avatar. the Avatar universe <laughs> as the, maybe it's the before, the longer time ago mm. in the same and galaxy the, far away. Yeah. And the Jedis obtain the unobtainium to create lightsabers. This is how Knights of the Old Republic happens, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Don't right sully Coder with that. It's here. It's done. It's canon. If you don't, and like they wipe that, out all the blue people. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's maybe, maybe that's the Sith planet, except for like Ahsoka Tan, who is like a weird like amalgamation. Yeah. You know. You know. Yeah. There's the ones that look kind of weirdly like the Avatar people. There's also like the now here's going to be the blend of like the Fifth Element and um, oh. Valyrian in the City of a Thousand Planets. Oh, wow. Like this is this is where we get the blue people back. It's all going to come. It's all coming together. Yep. Called it coming together. Boom. Anyway, too much time spent at Avatar. <laughs> To be clear, we're talking about the movie Aliens. We're talking about James Cameron because he is a director and he's directing all of those wonderful movies that we just named. And, and this kind of made him into the the guy he is, right? Like that, not that, Piranha 2, the spawning. No. This was really the one. Terminator 2, Terminator also. So, so he used Terminator as kind of a, a gambit to get this one. Really? Apparently when he was up for Aliens, early in conversation and had made Terminator while he was sort of experimenting with some camera techniques and some ideas that he had that he wanted to put into the movie. And so when Terminator came out and it did very, very well, they came to camera and was like, okay, like you have a proof now, you have a concept, but still the negotiations for him to get this were very embattled. That's why it's 1986, a sequel to a movie from 1979. Yeah, Like the years have followed and things have happened but that actually brings together a key player here his girlfriend at the time gail ann heard okay she was very instrumental in getting this going with him she has one screenwriting credit i just want to say this one screenwriting credit on the terminator and because she originated the characters 
she has a credit on anything the Terminator is in for forever. Awesome. <laughs> so if you look at her IMDb, it's just the Terminator and then Terminator throughout the ages. It's fantastic. She's a really, really good producer. Has worked on a ton of stuff. She also later divorced him and married Brian De Palma, which oh, is wow. really funny in the mid nineties. Wow. And then married Jonathan Hensley, who did like Die Hard 3, Jumanji, Con Air, The Rock, Armageddon, Gone in 60 Seconds, The Punisher, Gemini Man. He's a big action guy, and she yeah. served as producer on a lot of those as well. But Heard herself brought us The Abyss, Tremors, T2, The Ghost in the Darkness. Do you guys remember that movie? No. The Lion movie? Oh! The two lions, The Ghost and The Darkness. Yeah. And Michael Douglas is in that with Val Kilmer. Yeah. And they're like lion hunters that are trying to take down these true-to-life rogue lions. This is a stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, right here. It's awesome. It's awesome. If you haven't watched it, check it out. It is terrifying and awesome. Oh, can't talk more. Uh, we'll save it. <laughs> but she's she's also like a producer on Hulk, the Punisher, the Incredible Hulk, the one, the new one in the MCU. Um, also one of the founding producers of The Walking Dead. Like, really? Yeah. So she's had her hand in like everything. Most of the big things that have been around outside of what, like Star Wars. Yeah. Outside of Star Wars has been because of her. And that's kind of why I want to like name her as a producer. She's someone that gets onto a project and gets it off the ground. Yeah. Gets it moving. Um, it's really cool that she she's here. So this movie, though, we're talking about aliens. It, this one is hard. This one is hard. <laughs> and this is why I kind of wanted to talk a little bit longer is that because this is such an iconic movie of the 80s, I think it's actually the first movie that we've covered from the 80s. Might be. And it's it's such a big deal. It influences so much going forward. I just want to make this sort of land and let people know how important this is before we actually talk about the material itself. Written by James Cameron, Walter Hill, and David Geiler. We've talked about Walter Hill on a previous episode, Baby Driver. So please go back and listen to that. Yeah. Um, David Geiler, though, he's a writer of The Parallax View. He's worked with Walter Hill on Southern Comfort. Um, he also wrote The Money Pit, a really fun Tom Hanks movie that I really like. He just works with the Alien franchise, though, a ton. He's on Alien 3, 4, AVP, AVP 2, Prometheus, Alien Covenant, and he passed in December 2020. Also based on characters by Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusett. But going into who stars in Aliens, guys. Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney we Weaver. Jesse, would you like to talk to us for a little bit about Sigourney Weaver? Yeah, Sigourney Weaver basically got her, I guess this isn't her first big break, right? Because she was an alien and she got a whopping 30K salary <laughs> for what? Alien. What? For Aliens. For Aliens, though, James Cameron wouldn't accept anybody else but Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. And Sigourney Weaver's agent found out about that. So for Aliens, she has a $1 million salary. <laughs> wow. A $1 million salary in 1986. That's amazing. Yeah. I can't believe she like, only got paid $30,000 for Alien. Yeah. That's crazy. No. She is yeah. Alien. Like, like that's She carries – yeah, she carries a whole movie and they knew that. So they had to bring her back and they wouldn't accept any other front runner, just her. Yeah. And she agent. does a phenomenal job. Also, this movie is all about guns, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sigourney Weaver – is notoriously like against guns. <laughs> she hates guns. She also has a bad habit of not reading parts of the script. <laughs> oh, so she had no idea this movie had so many guns in it. This movie is like, like that. She would alien gun the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she didn't think there'd be space marines, or she didn't know that she'd have like a flamethrower and a gun and a grenade launcher all thrown in one. 
And she was really, she was really disappointed that she had to shoot it. Like hearing her talk about it, she like talks so negatively about her using a gun. She's just like, I don't even like guns. You, you know, you have a weapon and you feel so powerful. Whereas the, the purpose of, of like a horror movie or something is like, like you're struggling without a weapon. Um, you can't be too powerful in it. And like, she's like so principally against it. It's really funny. It's yeah. really funny. That Wait, she's so is, in is she this against movie. them like on principle because like guns are bad and violent? Is is that like her, her view or is it because like she thinks that it makes it not a horror, horror movie? Oh, on principle. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. But we know Sigourney um, Weaver from four alien movies, right? Mm-hmm. We know her from Ghostbusters. We know her from Gorillas in the Mist. We know her from Working Girl. Holes. Pre- like, dig that's a stay up. tuned, right? Oh, dig it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I've already mentioned Holes, I think. You have. Yes. I have mentioned it at Is this that point. A- that's great. I know. Stay I tuned. Oh, stay tuned, please. I can't believe we're doing a stay tuned for Holes. <laughs> I can't wait to do Holes, man. I love that movie. Um, but also Galaxy Quest, Wally, Finding Dory, The Village, Avatar, Chappie, which that can, might just have to be a birthday can, episode for me. Please tell me that Galaxy Quest is a stay tuned. I love Galaxy oh, yeah. Quest so much. I do too. Galaxy so Quest much. is great. I feel like most of these are stay tuned. Yeah. And then finally, The Cabin in the Woods. As right. the director, also a stay tuned, at least for me. If I have to lump all these in, I'm going to have to lump them all in just for like my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> it's a corny weaver day. <laughs> but also up here, we have Michael Bean, who plays our, our, our head of the military guy who takes over after certain members are found incompetent. He's a frequent Cameron collaborator, but also a stay tuned himself. He's in The Terminator and The Abyss, but also in Tombstone, The Rock, and I don't know if you guys remember him. In The Mandalorian, episode 13, he plays Lang. This is the episode that introduces Ahsoka Tan. Remember this one? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's the bad yeah. guy that's like holding the village kind of hostage. Okay. Really? Yeah. I don't remember him I at all. I didn't remember that. Yeah. I just remember when the credits came up and I saw Michael Bean. It was just that it was just the DiCaprio beam where I pointed at the screen. And I said to my wife, <laughs> look, it's Michael Bean. And she goes, who? It's like, oh... It's going to take a really long time to explain. <laughs> we have Paul Reiser here. Paul Reiser playing the despicable Burke. Prior to this, he's only been in three movies. The first one of which, though, was Diner, which I am a really big fan of. I love Diner. But then he's also known for Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2. And Whiplash, the dad in Whiplash. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's also in War on Everyone. He was in over 130 episodes of Mad About You. And finally, guys... The one that I think probably clinches it for everyone. He's in Stranger Things, right? Yeah. You know him. He's, he's, the, he's the big bad boss in Stranger Things. I think is that season two he comes in? Or is that season one? Don't remember him in Don't Stranger Things him at, at all. all. Yeah, he's like the evil scientist. He's in a whole season. Oh, yeah. Not the that's Russian him? scientist. No, that, that's, there's so many scientists in Stranger him. Things. Yeah. He's like the... He's Eleven's the really nice like scientist dad. that's like an asshole. Eleven's like dad, sort of. Or, yeah, that is yeah. him. I think that is yeah, him. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. See, that's why he's so yeah. familiar. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that one is the Duffer brothers who are like, we need him to play himself from Aliens. Yeah. Because it's, it's the same guy. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. So Paul Reiser, last guy I want to mention that's in the cast is is our our guy Lance Henriksen. Because he's Kerchek in Tarzan. He's, oh. he's the dad gorilla. Oh, really? Yeah. The android bishop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jesse's yeah. thinking. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> sure. Yeah, I'm trying to place that voice. I still can't place it, but that's amazing. Yeah, I like that guy. Also, General Shepard from Modern Warfare 2. Wow, that's, I mean, that's a deep cut. Do you remember I General guess. Shepard, though? I, vaguely. He's I the general know. that, like, snaps <laughs> like, your buddy and then, like, oh, betrays yeah, you? Oh, yeah, Yes. Yeah, that was crazy. Yes. That was, I, that was wild. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And you, yeah. you kill him by throwing the knife at I the end? I felt so much more emotion at that than I have in many video ga- any Call of Duty video game. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Did you ever did you ever finish that one, Jesse? No, never finished it. I think I played through the first few missions. <laughs> that would make sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, but also he's like in Dog Day Afternoon, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the right stuff. He's also in The Terminator, Alien 3, The Quick and the Dead, Powder, Pumpkinhead. Like he, he's, he's around. Everyone knows Lance Hendrickson, if not by name, by face. But Pumpkinhead actually brings me into talking about Stan Winston. Okay. So this guy, he is the father of all the practical effects that we love. Really? He does the thing. He does this oh, movie. Yeah. He does Jurassic Park. Stan Winston Studios is a big reason why Weta Studios from Peter Jackson for The Lord of the Rings comes into being. Really? I didn't know that. Stan Winston is the man behind animatronics looking real. That's really cool. Thank you, Stan Winston. Yeah. And it's for this, like he gets the Academy Award for it. Yeah, yeah. Because he found a way to make the aliens not look bad. Yeah, they look really good. Yeah. And it's like a combination of animatronic work, combination of puppetry, and that's sort of his wizardry. He's like the R-rated Jim Henson, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just to call back to a yeah. previous Muppets movie episode. <laughs> Dude, watching some scenes, how they made like the face huggers work. There's this one scene in particular where Ripley's being chased by one, right? And they made it such that it rolls on a wheel. And when it rolls on the wheel, all its little legs go crazy. So it looks like it's crawling. Yeah. And then so it jumps onto a leg. They had to shoot that in reverse. And they pulled it away from the leg of a table. And they shot. So it looks like it's jumping. And then they cut to another scene where it's jumping toward the camera. And like these three scenes together, like with this little animatronic puppet and plastic makes it look real it's amazing like for this whole movie i'm so used to cgi effects that i actually felt super pulled in unlike i normally do in like movies of the past 20 years it's really well done it's so cool and he's he's the master at that like he's the one that made us care about a a t-rex in jurassic park yeah you know Mm -hmm. like he worked so hard to give these these plastic frames built around you know pvc pipe emotion um so he wins best visual effects at the 59th Academy Awards. He's up against Little Shop of Horrors and Poltergeist 2. This movie was also nominated for film editing, which it lost to Platoon. Also nominated for Best Art Direction, which it lost to A Room with a View. It was nominated for Best Sound, which it lost to Platoon again. It won for Sound Effects Editing, which is an award we don't really give out anymore. And it was nominated for Original Score, which it lost for Round Midnight by Herbie Hancock. I have neither heard of that man nor that movie. I have I, I have not either. It's Jesse, okay. You're in a good. Are you listening to Round Midnight often? <laughs> no, only around midnight. Oh. <laughs> and it was also nominated for Sigourney Weaver's Best Actress, which she loses to previous mention on also the Baby Driver episode, Marley Matlin for Children of a Lesser God. For now, the only deaf person to have won. That's right. Yeah, she was movie. in the Oscars, right? She was the one who was announcing for um, best, I don't know, a couple of things. She announced yeah. in it. Yeah, yeah. Marley Matlin did, did announce. The, the score was done by James Horner. James Horner is a fun guy. He is a guy that if I were to read the list of, of possible dad movies, 
that he has done, we would be here for a very long time. So I will not. But uh, Field of Dreams is on there just just to be like this is this is very much he's a dad. Well, also dude. looking here, it looks like in 1996 he's nominated for both Apollo 13 and Braveheart. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, has that ever happened before? I, I'm sure it has. It is a it is an achievement though. So this year though, well, it's like also Trent, for Trent Reznor got nominated this year for Mank and Soul. Mank and Soul. Yep. Uh, Different category, but same category. Same category, yeah. Okay. Same category. Yeah. But this year that Aliens comes out, he's also nominated for Best Original Song for Somewhere oh Out There from An American Tale. Uh, yeah, okay, I'm not gonna sing it. <laughs> <laughs> we also have Field of Dreams. We have Titanic. He's also nominated for Best Original Song for My Heart Will Go On. Uh, A Beautiful Mind, Avatar. Just like just, I'm just gonna like pick, just cherry pick some of the stuff that he's done. He's he's nominated for Glory, okay? <laughs> the Rocketeer. He is nominated for Jumanji. There's Jumanji. Wow. The Mask of Zorro, Mighty Joe Young, Bicentennial Man, The Perfect Storm. He's nominated. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Same year. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Also, Wind Talkers and The Four Feathers. Same wow. year. He has four you know, Academy Award nominations in 2003. Like, this guy is legendary. Yeah. How the Grinch Stole Christmas does have a good score. Apocalypse. It does. You're right. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So, unfortunately, James Horner did pass. He has a couple movies that came out posthumously, including Southpaw, The 33, and the remake of The Magnificent Seven. He died in a plane crash. Gone sure. gone too soon, for sure. But yeah. he is known as one of the most... His score for Aliens is one of the most frequently used scores for film trailers. Um, it's been used for like Minority Report or From Dust Till Dawn, Man on Fire... Like, look at this. Look at this list. All these movies. His, his this one soundtrack has been used in the trailer wow. music for. Yeah. Also, he wrote this soundtrack. I can't remember if it was two or three weeks. Three weeks. It was an abs it was an absurdly short amount of time. And the climax he wrote overnight. Yep. Like he had no time. In fact, like he thought this was a rush project and that this was like badly directed. So he never wanted to work with James Cameron again. <laughs> and he, I don't think he did until. Uh, he worked with them on Titanic. And there comes the Oscar. <laughs> and there comes the Oscar. <laughs> Just really quick, I, I want to shout out that this was Sigourney Weaver's uh, first of three Oscar nominations. The other two came the next year as supporting actress and actress. Uh, what were they for? Uh, Grills in the Mist mm -hmm. and Working Girl. Yep. I guess it was two years later. They were both in 1988. Supporting and lead. Supporting and lead. Yeah. Which is crazy. It's, it's kind of too bad that she lost for this because... I mean, she is the movie and she does a freaking fantastic job. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. like, just like Carrie or, or, or uh, Francis. Yeah. She's yeah. the movie. Yeah. 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 She's a movie, but you know who kind of makes her in this movie is Carrie Hen. Oh, like, who is Carrie this? Hen. Hen. Who's Carrie Hen? Carrie Hen. This is her only movie. She is the little girl, Newt. She's not in anything after this. She is currently a school teacher. Oh, wow. Uh, she's left Hollywood. Yeah. She's out of it. Um, and like she had a really close relationship with Sigourney on on set, like they grew really close together. Like she basically became, or Sigourney basically became her adopted mom. Like on really? set, they yeah they had like makeup trailers or whatever, like right next to each other. So they were, and there were a lot of like I think they said that after everybody left because they shot everybody scenes like the whole Marine Corps scenes first. And then it was just Sigourney and uh, and Carrie Hen 
on set filming day after day after day because this project went on for a while mm-hmm. and there's a lot of scenes where you know sigourney is like carrying carrie that and went on for like a really long time which is why i think sigourney probably should have gotten an award for that because <laughs> she has like a grenade launcher on one shoulder and a, ch- a, a nine-year-old child wrapped around her and she's like trying to climb up a ladder like that takes a lot of like strength and yeah it's oh, really yeah. cool that she could do that um but Carrie, I, I just kind of want to shout her out because there's a lot of child stars. Uh, part of the reason why I hate I hate Hollywood guys. I think I mentioned that a few times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and part of that is like what they do to people. But Carrie is somebody where like James Cameron had approached her and was like, hey, do you know what this movie is about? You need to watch Alien before I let you be a part of this because I want to make sure you're not going to be traumatized the rest of your life. And, but watch this terrifying movie called Alien and see yeah. if you're traumatized. <laughs> and uh, she wasn't. She laughed at it the whole time. Really? Because um, she was eight. <laughs> she, was, she was eight. <laughs> she, she thought it was funny. So I guess if we ever do like a dad movie segment on, on Carrie Ann, it's got to be like eight years old. Apparently that's when it's appropriate. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And, uh, and she just turned out. And they, it seems like all all the cast and crew looked out for her, made sure she had a good time on set, and that was it. That's awesome. And she's lived a normal life ever since. So, like, shout out for something good happening in Hollywood in a blockbuster. That's cool. That's yeah, amazing. I agree. I love that. And and she is, she has a striking resemblance to my own daughter that mm-hmm. I really felt watching. This is the first time I've, I've watched rewatched this movie since my daughter was born, and now that my daughter is is a little over three and a half. She has the same hair. She has a lot of the same facial expressions. My, my wife was always pointing out she's got that perfect, like tight mouth, scared kid expression. It, yeah, like I, I felt so much deeper in this movie because Carrie Han is delivering a good scared kid performance. Yeah, There's screaming, but there's also just a lot of like traumatized silence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's very believable. Uh, yeah, I loved her performance and, you know, Happy for her that she didn't get sucked into Hollywood the way some people do. But an interesting, sad that way I don't get to see more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, an interesting counterpoint though to the the sort of stoic, quieter performance that Carrie Hen gives. There's another guy in this cast who's a little off the chain hook, as you might say. Would you say that, Mike? <laughs> I might say that. I think you'd say that. I think I've heard you say that. I, I might say that. <laughs> Off the chain hook. Yeah. 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 Yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not I'm not gonna rise to whatever this is. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> it's it's Al Matthews. Oh, thank you. All right. So Al Matthews, if he's Lieutenant Apone. Apone. Lieutenant Apone, right? He's the guy who when they first wake up from their like I don't know what Hypersleep. the the, the the hypersleep, thank you. That's the word. The hypersleep, and he immediately shoves a cigar in his mouth. It's amazing. <laughs> like, I love this character. This character is so funny. Like, Apone is a guy who's just like, oh, it's another glorious day in the core. Um, <laughs> Where every meal is a banquet, <laughs> every paycheck is a treasure. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's the quintessential 80s Marine. And what was funnier to me is seeing Al Matthews, a guy who plays Apone, talk about his his time on set he's the same guy like he he's a vietnam vet he talks about how like people had their fingers on the trigger of their 
fake guns and how he wanted to shove the guns down people's throats because you <laughs> never do that. <laughs> Trigger discipline, baby. <laughs> and also, like, weird story on set. There's that whole scene where they're, like, on an APC going to Earth, right? And everything's shaking. The whole set piece is actually shaking and the roof fell off. Oh, really? <laughs> and, yeah, and it grazed Sigourney Weaver and they thought they were all going to die. And Al Matthews gets up and starts ordering people around. He makes them, like, he's the only one who had control of himself. He basically becomes a military man and gets everybody out to safety and saves everybody's lives. So Al Matthews, the Marine, acted as a Marine on set and saved everybody. And I just think it's so funny. Like, this guy is himself in real life. Uh, he's just how you see him on screen. It's great. Yeah, he's he's he gives Arlie Ermey, like, a run for his money. You know what I mean? In, in terms of a, a Marine playing a Marine. I, I just love when he says, let's move it, ladies and gentlemen. Assholes over elbows. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so great. All right, so now that we've covered everyone that's worked on this, been involved with this, slightly touched it or looked at it on a street corner, we should go into some of our nostalgia for this. Like, where did we come at this from? How do we feel about it? And what do we think now? Mike, you want to go? Yeah, I will. I, um, I, I'm almost troubled to say this was the first time I've actually seen this movie in full. Mm. Um, I've seen parts of it through, over the years, like on TV or because someone was watching it. Um, and I was like, this looks interesting, but I don't know. Somehow I just never got around to it. And since 1986, <laughs> wow. I didn't have enough time to watch one of the best movies of all time. It's really <laughs> awesome. Um, I, I loved it. I I'd never seen any of the Alien franchise until this year. That might even be a wilder claim. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. But I th- like I, I'm a completionist. Right. So it's like as I'm like you know a teenager whatever aliens versus predators you have some rough times ahead of you buddy (laughs) (laughs) and and so like friends would go see it like no i haven't seen i haven't seen the first one yet you know um and so (laughs) so i finally am getting around to it it's so cool i i missed out very excited i'm also very excited to hear about the actual nostalgia that both of you have for this movie well i've got some nostalgia it it's nostalgia not particularly for this movie, because I did see this movie. I have nostalgia like with my dad and brothers watching these movies when I was growing I think I was like, I don't know, 11 or 12 or whatever. Um, right as my, my brothers were teenagers and they were getting into this. And my dad, this is nostalgic for him because, you know, he, he lived through the 80s. And he, he kind of likes these movies because they, in his words, they broke up what sci-fi was at the time. Like sci-fi was all about like comb plated, like spaceships that all looked really nice and clean. And and, even like star Wars, like even though that does have like some, some grimier sort of sets all has a very clean look to it. And this is like grimy, like real down to earth stuff brought up in space. Like if, if this were real, this isn't a stretch to say that all of this would actually happen in the future, right? Yeah. So apparently it just had a different impact on him. And obviously this story is, I don't know, like this isn't, I was thinking today about like sci-fi stories and how often we get like a sci-fi story that's just here to tell us that that just uses technology to make and uh, to tell a different kind of story uh, rather than like make a grand point about culture or a grand epic sweeping tale of families and feuds and all that, like Star Wars is. And we just have this neat little horror movie in Alien, right? And then, like, this 
intense action sequel, which is far different, but functions almost as well in terms of terror, which I'm sure we're going to talk about later. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's so believable. I remember really liking it as a kid, like being like really, really frightened <laughs> by this, but in the best way, this is like, like I just had terror watching it. It's not like I had nightmares about it afterwards, but this is the stuff that, that haunts your like daydream, so to speak. Like you're, you're just like expecting this weird little, if you imagine something horrible, it's, it's a monster popping out from, from behind like a crawl space. And this is that, and this is aliens is that done to an extreme. So yeah, I, I've got quite a bit of nostalgia for all of this, but I also haven't seen this movie in full in like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> this was great. It was a great, to, it was great to revisit this. Um, how about you, Vito? Where are you coming at this from? So on a previous episode, I, I I don't remember which one. Maybe a listener can can please comment on on one of our socials as to which one it was, if you remember. I brought up this segment that I wanted to do if if another one came along. This was one of the movies that my dad told me about when we were camping in my bedroom. When we Ooh, had a cool. tent. Vito's tent nights. That's yeah. right. That's right. That's right. You remember. Vito's That's from, from the It episode. Yeah. It. There it is. Thank you. Uh, there it is. It. <laughs> Man, that was bad. <laughs> oh, it killed Jesse. It's killing Jesse. <laughs> it's killing Jesse. <laughs> oh, that was great. That was great. Uh, but this is the first one since then, our It episode that happened way back as our Halloween special back in October. Yeah, this is one that I heard about a lot that I was never told the title for. This along with the original Alien. So whenever we get to that one, we'll talk about it. This one was really big for me. I didn't see it when I was a kid. But it... Oh, you're still laughing. It's still killing you. <laughs> Jesse, it is still stabbing Jesse to death. It really shouldn't be. I think it's done. I think it's done. It's done. <laughs> it's done. Take, it, take another drink. Yeah. Clink those ice cubes. Uh, <laughs> So for that, though, I have a lot of space in my heart for this. Uh, my dad loves both Alien and Aliens, I think pretty equally. We never watched them together. I watched them both in college, late high school. And yeah, I, I love this movie. And what's funny is that I've always preferred Alien to this one. And even still on this this latest rewatch, I still do. I love Alien so much. But what I love about this movie is that it's such a weird sequel in as much as the first alien is all these crew members up against one alien, just one. And that is the most dogged will not die monster. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It, it, it will just like predator. It will not die. Nothing you do is, is affecting this thing. Yeah. You have to blast it out of an airlock, which is not to say you killed it. It just means that you just shot it out into space where it cannot be your problem anymore. It's somebody and, else's problem. Now, and probably. even when it's in space, it still like tries to climb onto the spaceship. Remember? Yeah. Like this yeah. is the most dogged, determined organism in the known universe. And so for the sequel, they say, what if there's like a hundred? <laughs> well, okay, wait, but to back up a little bit in turn, because it almost sounds like you're blaming continuity and plot between the, the first and the second, but in the first one, right? Don't, don't they try to not shoot it because it has acid blood that will leak through the ship? And this they don't is true. want holes in their ship. This is true. Yeah. Which is very smart. But even there, like the ordinance that they have does not in any way resemble the ordinance in this movie. Not at all. Uh, mm. They so, have no, so no you, explosive shells. 
Yeah. So what you would do is you would wound it and then it would bleed all over the place. And now everyone is going to die because the alien, the, the acid blood leaks out through the hole, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the same sort of thing that this movie so smartly does in the reactor where they say you can't use live rounds or like we're going to be in trouble. But that being my nostalgia for this, and it's, I've always held it up as like a sequel that did it right. Similarly with like T2, where it takes the original movie and almost completely changes genres. Like this is still kind of a horror movie, not really. It's more of an action movie, more of a war movie. Like Terminator stops being like a horror thriller and just turns into a straight up action movie for the summer. Yeah. Uh, And I think that James Cameron is so smart about that. And I've always looked at life kind of in movies through the lens of the James Cameron. And this movie is very much influential for that. That, that, That's my nostalgia for it. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that these are, yeah, this and T2 are some of the best sequels of all time, right? I would agree. Like, I, obviously, there's a Godfather Part 2, but then, like... What else stacks up to those? Yeah. Yeah. But in terms of how this, like, works as a sequel, I think it's really fun that it kind of disregards a lot of the original claustrophobia from the, the yeah. first movie and just, like, instead opens it up. Yeah, it uses it a little bit in that scene in the reactor, but but for the most part, it's like we are out in the world. We're not shut in on a spaceship. Yeah, yeah. And it uses it uses the corridors really well. It uses mm-hmm. the air vents, but in all, it's it's really it almost seems like it's always expanding the ideas of that original one. Yeah, I think T two is T two the best analogous thing to this. Like, we're not seeing this sort of thing with Marvel, you know? No, I don't think so. I mean, like I'd say each Marvel movie expands on the universe. Uh, very, bigger. very effectively. Yeah. Um, very uh, strategically, maybe <laughs> <laughs> for market uh, share or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this is doing that. <laughs> I'm not sure if we're ever going to do. Well, obviously, we can't do a whole series on the alien or term. Well, maybe we could do a whole series on Terminator. That would be maybe that'd be fun. Yeah. That'd be fun. I would feel that one out. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, obviously we're not going to do that in Aliens, because um, here we are doing Aliens and not the other three, seven, four, five, <laughs> seven. Yeah, I don't Guys, know how many there are. I, I have I have a, uh, a contender here for best sequel, uh, maybe series of sequels. Uh, I'd say well, I, I, I would contend that maybe, well, one, one sequel that I know of that does a very, um, that well, that does expand the universe. I don't know if it's good or bad is Pirates of the Caribbean 2, Dead Man's Chest. I'd say the universe got a lot bigger and the genre really changed in Pirates 2. What I would say (laughs) is that the world got bigger and there's a lot in it. (laughs) (laughs) But then in 3, it got to be less in it. (laughs) Yeah. No, I just, I'm flipping it. I'm flipping it from the third one. Come on. I don't know how to explain that to you. Okay. 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 (laughs) I I think you're right. But the thing is, is that that the second one is the same genre as the first one. Yes. Yeah. And this one, it doesn't seem that way, which is also kind of like why we're doing this one again, like we did the Hellboy 2. Why we're doing this one first is because it just seems like an entirely different kind of movie. Right, Jesse? Oh, yeah. I think one day we're going to do the Alien movie, except it'll be like movies on spaceships series, which I can't wait to do. (laughs) I know. I know. Maybe soon (laughs) since we're so excited about it. I don't know. We'll we'll talk about it. I love vessels. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> 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 uh, 
That's Mike's um, way in. I love vessels. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I wonder Mike. if we'll do something having to do with vessels anytime soon. I'm just plugging our next series. It's going to be Pirates of the Caribbean. It's going to be Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> it's coming yeah. up really soon. <laughs> just plugging it. Just trying to get it in there. All right, Mike, you did the plug, but when will you show this to your kids, do you think? Oh, um, that's a good question. I'm, I did not show it to them yet. Uh, there's oh, no still, way. <laughs> you know, I thought about the donut, like the, the, the age donut. And I thought, you know, I didn't know if this would fall into it. The age donut is like when they're <laughs> newborn and when they're one years old. Now we've crossed. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. If it's even yeah. Newborn. So for, hold on. In case nobody knows what the age donut oh, yeah, the is. Age donut. The age donut is when you want to show them show it to your kids at a certain age range and then there's another age range after that that you don't want to show it to them so say you want to show it to them between zero and one and then not show it to them from one to 14 and then (laughs) from 14 onward you want to show it to them that is our age donut I don't think I'm watching this with a newborn, to be quite honest. Like, this does not seem like the sort of oh. movie that, that puts them to sleep, which is when I would be watching a movie like this with my newborn. Hmm. Um, mm. We might have to check back in the future on that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll yeah, see. my daughter and Daredevil beg to differ. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> my daughter and all the Dirty Harry movies also beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well... You know, we'll see. We'll see in the future. We'll check back in on this someday. But I, yeah, I'd say like 14-ish probably is, is when I'd show it. To the, I'd show that to like a son. I don't know about my daughters. Like if it, at least my elder daughter, like I don't know when she's going to be ready to see this. She might She might never be. She might always just be like, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. This is uh, like the, the, the kid factor changes it a little bit. Mm. Like it makes it more real. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because because Carrie Head did such a great job of being a kid in this situation. But like, I want to, I want them to see this. I really want to be able to be like, like, yeah, this is a movie that I watch with my kids. Um, or like, I show them like, yeah, Aliens is cool. Like, it would be <laughs> awesome if my kid, if my daughter's at like sixteen or something. They're like, oh, dude, I just watched Aliens with my dad. Like, my dad's so cool. We watch Aliens together, right? You know. But yeah, what yeah. about you, Jesse? I think I think you're right. I think I don't know. Well, I don't know. I'm really torn. Like my daughter, I'm not sure if she'll ever watch this. But my son, yeah. <laughs> like my 2-year-old who likes to wrestle in rocks and laugh while he does it. Um, <laughs> what a sociopath. He's, he's, maybe he'll be ready at 3. I don't know. <laughs> maybe tomorrow he'll be ready to watch Aliens. Yeah. That kid is something else, but yeah, he definitely has a higher tolerance for this sort of thing than my daughter does. So like I'd be, I'm almost tempted to say like 10 or 11 with him and now that i look back i think i was 10 or 11 because and the reason why i remember this because when i I think i was when i was 10 or 11 i was kind of embarrassed by the by the little girl like because i kind of had a crush on her oh (laughs) (laughs) so when i was 10 or 11 that happened and that i had that sort of reaction so i think i was kind of young and i turned out okay so i would say my son can watch that at 10 or 11 but yeah my daughter probably never I'm, no. I'm giving up on action horror, whatever with her. <laughs> it's just never going to happen. Time, for the time being, no, no, no it's like my wife. Uh, my wife will. She sort of. She fell asleep during this one. Um, oh my gosh! How do you? Yeah, fall like asleep she just doesn't. She doesn't care. 
period. So yeah. she just falls asleep. It's like, all right, well, I'm sort of into this because there's a girl. And then she goes to bed. Oh, um, nice. Happy Mother's Day, by the way. Happy, happy Mother's, Mother's Day. My wife but, did not watch this. She was like, you're watching Aliens. I am going to bed. Coward. <laughs> she also won't listen to this, so I'll never have to answer for that. <laughs> happy Mother's Day, Mary Claire. Mary Claire. Happy Mother's Day, Mary Claire. Future guest. Oh, you didn't yeah. watch the movie. <laughs> Jesse, I wonder, I mean, like, uh, I, I wonder how much of a factor of the fact that, like, you were the younger, the youngest, or the younger son with a couple of older brothers, um, like, how much that played into your being, like, ready to see it or something like that? Like, oh, it seems that. like movies, like, with, with older siblings, families with, like, kind of a, a, a wider scale in, in the ages of their kids, like the younger kids see definitely see stuff before the older kids do. like more than the three kids. kind of kids <laughs> yeah 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 i wonder if that played into it but then again like with your son like i, I don't know maybe it's just something that like it's personalities right. very much too. it does factor in because like you, when you have older siblings who watch it with you you can figure out like how you're supposed to react to things like yeah like i noticed that with my kids too like if one if the older, if my oldest daughter is traumatized by, by something, then my son pretends like he is too, even though he's not really. <laughs> um, it's also vice versa. If one of them says like, oh, this isn't that scary, then they're like, oh yeah, it's not that scary. So like me watching this with my brother, it's like, oh yeah, this isn't that bad. Like it's just somebody who's had their torso punctured by a tail through, all the way through. Um, you're, kind of, you're kind of like feeling the room. <laughs> you're you just know? like you're like looking around. Like, is anyone else like disgusted and traumatized? No, we're we're laughing. Oh, we're good okay. with this. Okay, we're, we're gonna laugh. Only you do it wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly. That's you're like, true. oh, th because when you're a kid, you look around, and you say, "How should I react to yeah. this?" Right? Because I have a reaction, but is this right? Am I like jiving with the world as it should be jived with? I don't, yeah. I guess that is a weird way to phrase that. Got to jive. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you got to jive. You got to jive with it. Um, but yeah, you're always looking at how to react. At least for me, that's how I, I was. And I I think my kids are acting like that too. Anyway, Vito, when would you show it to your kids? I'd probably go in, in between you guys. So, so my daughter has a fascination with monsters. I think I've shared this on a previous episode. She loves monsters. She bothers me most days about watching Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> because she wants to see the Kraken because I listen to the soundtrack a lot. And she asks about, what is this? And I'm like, oh, this is the scene when the Kraken shows up. She goes, what's the Kraken? I said, well, it's a giant monster that lives in the ocean. She goes, how big is it? I'm like, well, it's big enough it can swallow a ship. She goes, how big is the ship? Like there's this like constant escalation <laughs> of questions where she's sort of gauging the enormity of said monster. And she is very fascinated by it. So she cool. loves monsters. The first thing she asks, so my wife and I, okay, we watch this movie. We're in our living room. My daughter's room abuts the living room. Sometimes I know that she can hear the movie through the wall. Yeah. And so sometimes we'll like wait a little bit just to make sure that she's asleep before we turn the movie on. So we watch this movie. The next morning, she comes out asking a lot of questions about Alien. <laughs> Specifically, like, was the movie you were watching called Alien? <laughs> what was the alien? What is a alien? Is it a monster? Is it scary? Can I watch it? Um, she's asking, like, because I'm playing a lot of Hans Zimmer, because we're doing, uh, guess what? We're doing Pirates of the Caribbean next. I've been listening to a lot of Hans Zimmer music. I'm listening to Rango a lot. 
And she's asking me on a daily <laughs> basis, Daddy, can I watch Rango? My daughter has is, is fearless when it comes to movies. She just wants to watch anything that we're watching that, that we think is really cool. So for her, this sort of thing, like I'm pumped to do this at 11 or 12. I think that she is primed. I think That's she's cool. ready. We're watching the Superman animated show right now. Like I'm picking and choosing some episodes and not some episodes. I'm watching them with her and like talking about what's going on. She's she's into it. She awesome. loves this stuff. So I'm very excited. I'm very, very excited to pass this on, um, especially one that is so female centric, so yeah. pro woman, so pro like Ripley is better than a team of Marines. This is awesome. This is the sort of of role model I would love to show to my daughter. So yeah, uh, uh, eleven or twelve, somewhere in there, man. I'm 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 ready. I'm down. I I can't wait. Good. You? Your daughter's very cool. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> everyone. Let's pitch it. Now this is our new segment here. We're trying out <laughs> pitch it. Pitch it. You reach down to pitch you it and you pitch it. <laughs> you pitch it. Yeah. How would you pitch this movie to your kids? Exactly. How would you pitch this? So I'll, I'll, I'll just start because I think I have the shortest one. So my daughter, this is already sold. Yeah, you don't need to pitch this at all. <laughs> Clearly. <sold> Clearly. <laughs> so for my daughter, I'm just like, it's a monster. It's dark. It's a little scary. It's a little wacky. Things get a little intense. And this is what the soundtrack sounds like. And my daughter would be like, yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> That's, awesome. That's how I pitch it. It's a very easy pitch. I don't have to put too much work into it. I cannot wait until I have a kid that I have to work a little bit harder on. Uh, and I'll definitely bring it in future pitch it segments. But Mike, pitch it. Ooh, this is a tough one. How do I pitch this to see? I'm imagining pitching it to like my four year old and she is never going to go for this movie. And I'm like, like, am I a bad dad for trying to pitch this movie to a four year old? Probably. Like, I shouldn't do that. <laughs> but OK, I'm going to pretend that she's like 14 years old. I'm like, all right. And I, well, OK, have we seen the first one? That's yes. up to you. Okay, we've oh, okay. seen the first one at this point. So, I mean, I feel like I, I can kind of go off of that. What I would do, haven't seen the first one. Hey, hey, remember how we watched that terrifying movie about the alien who bled acid blood and killed everybody and might not be dead? Imagine that, but with like a hundred of that alien. Let's do that. But instead of just Ripley, we've got guns and Marines too. Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> Hoorah. And she'd be like, Dad, I don't I don't want to do this. <laughs> the only thing that's different about that pitch from James Cameron's actual pitch is that when he wrote the word aliens on the top of his whiteboard, this is a true story. He literally at the end of his pitch went and put lines through the S to make a dollar sign. <laughs> that's the only thing different about that pitch. <laughs> Alien awesome. with a dollar sign, baby. <laughs> that's a good pitch. Oh, that's great. I like, I like that. That's great. I like that dumb sign. Yeah. My pitch is very similar to Mike's. So it's going to be to my son because I'm never going to get my daughter to watch it. So I got to be like, all right. So you know how we watched one movie about one alien and how hard that was? This is a movie called Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it has flamethrowers. Are you in? And he's going to say yes. Yeah. If I heard that pitch, I would really want to see that movie because how awesome is that? Finally, they're 
like that's what you're thinking the whole time when you're watching it and you're like, oh my, it's so, uh, I can't believe there's only one of these things. Like, imagine if there was a hundred. And there are a hundred here. Yes, there are. Yes, there are. I it's, guess you it's could just terrifying. go, remember all those eggs? Yeah. What do you think happened to them? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's a good one. That's great. They're all aliens. <laughs> I'm just thinking about, do you guys remember that movie Bolt? That really terrible Disney animated movie, Bolt, with John Travolta oh, as the dog. Yeah. My wife has been trying to get me to watch it for 10 years. <laughs> I mean, once you finally watch it, you will be really disappointed. It's it's like semi, I, I would classify it as semi-entertaining. Um, there's a great moment, though, where they, they meet these pigeons who are trying to be screenwriters in Hollywood. <laughs> and their only pitch is like, okay, okay, there's a guy, there's a guy. He's walking along. Okay, normal day, normal day for this guy. The other pigeon jumps in. It's like, normal guy, normal guy. And it's like, okay, but, 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 here's what happens. Boom, aliens. Are you in? <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel like the pitch for this movie is. Like, not alien. Boom, aliens. aliens. <laughs> Are you in? And you have to it's answer, are you pitch. in or not? It's a good pitch. Yeah. Aliens. I'm in. I am in. Yeah. I'm not not in. Aliens always I'm are not not in. <laughs> But uh, okay, okay. So we did we pitch it well? Did we pitch it, Jesse? Oh yeah, that's a great pitch. I, Those I are feel all like great pitches. you guys are watching it. I'm not. My kids aren't going for it. My my, you know my my, Your youngest my younger wife. She might be like, yeah, <laughs> flamethrowers. <laughs> what is a flamethrower? I could talk about flamethrowers now. She'd be like, I want to see that when when she's like eight one. you're gonna see some weird browsing history on your computer <laughs> where to get a flamethrower how to make napalm <laughs> tesla flamethrower yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh the but, boring company please no, yeah. <laughs> but maybe we should get into some of our favorite scenes here if that if that's good with everyone uh, again maybe just in this roundtable spirit we're only an hour and a half in. Yeah, sure, it's a go. big movie. It's what do you want? It's a big movie. Okay. I guess it's an hour and 15. I don't know what it's at after this is edited, but it'll be somewhere like that. It's it's long. We're running long. It's okay. Now, okay. So there's two versions of this movie. Okay. We got the normal theatrical and then we have the special edition. There's also another version that's in between both in terms of running time. Okay. So for this episode, I veto watched the special edition. I, I ponied up the extra money to watch it. I think I own it, but I don't know where it is. Uh, and you guys and, both and watched the theatrical. And I, Jesse, watched the theatrical edition the way it was made to be seen. Absolutely not. And I still fed my kids because I didn't give money to evil Hollywood. So there. <laughs> I mean, congratulations. Wait, Jesse, how did, you, how did you, what, did you use it? Did you watch it using a service of some sort? By any chance? Uh, the Amazon? Oh, yeah. I good think job. It's you didn't, the you didn't, you didn't it's run by evil. a bunch of women. You didn't get <laughs> They're all bald. <laughs> Wonder Woman's actually it's actually Wonder Woman's. Company. I mean, I mean, Fern Fern packaged the DVD for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, Michael, also uh, watched the theatrical version. I thought, because it was very late when I started it, and even later when I ended it, that it was the special edition. And I thought that I had somehow come across an incredible deal where it was just <laughs> free on on Amazon. But I was wrong. <laughs> it was just the theatrical cut. So James, oh, free, so James Cameron. Free if you pay a hundred bucks for Amazon Prime. Year, you know, what's basically free. <laughs> I spent that money last year. 
around this time. Netflix is is like really messing up. They should give a yearly thing. And then we'll all be like, it's free on Netflix. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. But Audible just came out with just total non sequitur. Audible just came out with a yearly subscription plan. And I'm like this close to getting because you just get like 12 credits immediately. And then you can just like buy whatever you want. We're nearer and nearer to the dystopian universe where money just turns into credits. Yeah. (laughs) Like every sci-fi movie. (laughs) No, no, no. Dogecoin. Dogecoin. To the the moon. moon. (laughs) Diamond hands. I'm a hodler. I'm a hodler. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> this just went down a rabbit hole. So the special edition and the normal edition, it's about 20 minutes different. Okay. About 20 or so in there. Now, there's a couple of, there's one really notable scene that we get that happens right before Sigourney Weaver Ripley walks into the hearing where she has taken her, her uh, flight officer status is taken from her. Okay. Uh, what happens in that scene is between her and Paul Reiser, where Paul Reiser tells her what happened to her daughter. Oh, it's incredibly affecting. It's deeply compelling. She finds out that her daughter died three years previous at the age of, of I think, 57. Wow. Um, and she sees a picture of her. And the picture, this is just like a weird little fun fact. The picture is actually of Sigourney Weaver's mother. But in the movie, it functions really beautifully because the theatrical version is like, it's moving, it's moving, it's moving. It's like getting you to the next piece very artfully, incredibly quickly. But this special edition lets it really breathe. Like the first hour... Like nothing happens. Yeah. It's just a slow escalation of tension. It's building character moments. It's really, it's trying to do what the first alien did or what Jaws does, where it really builds up yeah. to seeing that final conflict, to seeing what becomes almost like the nightmare of the final hour. So that's fascinating. You know, I, I read a Roger Ebert review of this movie and I think his only criticism, like he said, he left feeling sick. Mm-hmm. He, like, it's gross. He has to recommend it. He's like, this is a great movie and I feel sick. Um, <laughs> but uh, but his only like real criticism, I think, was that um, it didn't even pay lip service to the fact that everyone she knew is dead. Yeah. Which is fascinating that in the intended way uh, it was made. And the boardroom sequence that she has is also extended. Okay. There's like numerous, like pretty much every time it reflects upon Ripley as a character. It is longer in the other cut. James Cameron's desired cut to show to people. Yeah. I want to go see that. now. One of the scenes though, which is my favorite scene is the guns in the hallway scene. They set up these automated sentries in these specific blocked off corridors. Now it's a little bit longer in the version that I watched because it does a lot more of you watching the ammo counter go down. It shows less aliens getting splattered and more of the stress of these people sitting in this room, sweating, knowing that if these guns fail, they have to face down the army of xenomorphs that are coming for them. And they're just watching these. They're counting them down. They're like every five, they're announcing it like 305, 300, 295, 290. And it it keeps it, it every time it goes back to them. It's just shows the guns firing and the counter going down. And it's only the very, the, the second corridor once it get down to like below a hundred bullets that it starts to actually show like some aliens really popping. Um, I thought that was really masterful. I felt so tense. Yeah. Now to be very clear, I, I don't think gun sentries make their way to the theatrical version mm-hmm. whatsoever. No, really? No, that's gone. Holy yeah, shit. Not there. Yeah. Then I've never seen the theatrical version. I've seen this movie like four times. Wow. 
Yeah, really? Is this, is this like in the I final showdown where, where they're all in like the yeah. the med bay or, or the ops room? They're in the oh my gosh! Room. Okay. Oh shit! Okay, no. So <laughs> they they come up with this idea for a trap to to reduce the number of aliens coming at them. Wow. This and is, <laughs> so what they do is they, the whole plot. They do this whole all like the, the it's right after um so the it's right after a lot of them go so it's like it's like Hudson um it's when um Michael Bean's character kind of takes the helm as the leader uh Burke has been sidelined um and they're regrouping kind of and they decide that they're going to block off these two separate passageways to to like funnel the aliens in and these aliens come in <clears throat> And you, you don't really see them. They just show them priming the sentries and they're watching the automated turret display. And you're watching, they each have like 500 rounds and you're just watching the guns fire and it cuts back to the computer as the rounds count down. And you're hearing the aliens scream in the background as the as the sentries shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot as, as they funnel down the number of aliens before the final confrontation. It's a masterful scene. Yeah, oh, that, sounds, that okay. sounds incredible. Okay, okay. Just to be clear, in the theatrical version, there's there's that scene where they go outside and they try to get on board of a spaceship, right? And the spaceship crashes because there's an alien on board. And then they say, we have to, and then Newt says, we have to go back because they come out at night. And then they magically transport to somewhere in that building. That's probably, right? do you remember that? That's probably where it is. Yeah, yeah. I think they go to like the ops room, which is connected to the med bay. And once they're there, yeah. they, they do block off doors. They they try yeah, to seal off weld, all, all entrances. Yeah, it, they specifically say they they close doors and weld them shut. Yeah, yeah. So there's and a then, lot of welding in the movie, but there's a yeah. specific sequence where they have to weld like some okay. air ducts shut. They have to weld yeah. some doors shut. No, I so I so in the special okay. edition. Okay, so so then it's like a ten minute scene. Yeah, well that sounds that's, like okay. That's where that, half of the, the that really that really changes the flow though because like. You first see the aliens when they're firing in the in the bowels of like the cocoons, yeah. right? Yeah. In the alien layer. And then in this movie, you don't see aliens again until like they're all saying, like, we're we see them on our sensors. Where are they? We don't know where they are. Is um, that in the and then yeah. and then they oh, yeah. And then they check above the ceiling and they're aliens. That's the first time you really see them again. Oh, no, no. So it, it happens in between those two. It happens right before okay. them seeing them in the ceilings. That's yeah. that's the conclusion of the sentry is that these aliens oh. are the ones that are left. Yeah. From the ones that okay, got taken Okay, that makes out. sense. I felt like there was a bit of a jump there, just like in the way it was cut and a couple of things that people said. Yeah. Interesting. No, wow. But so at if, that if you point, take anything you, you from this like, podcast, watch the, uh, the special edition. Yeah, you're, you're, I don't know. At that point, I'm like no. clenching the edge of my seat because yeah. I'm like, how could this get worse? Yeah. And it does because they're in the ceiling. <laughs> At this, I don't know. I kind of like the theatrical version, but just I think you should probably it, watch it though. Just <laughs> I, I probably should, but so should you because you've never seen it. That's true. Uh, so, <laughs> but like, I like the, I love the idea that we never see them again until they're in the ceiling and nobody has any clue where they could possibly be or that. Or what the number is coming at them. Like, it, oh, you oh, never oh, get a sense that to be clear, any though, portion has been wiped out. To be clear, you also don't see them in the gun scene. It's it's it makes it it makes you, you feel oh, like they do, which is like you're you know that the guns are firing yes. and they're running out of bullets. Yes, and you also know that we're not done with the aliens. Well, like ninety percent of the scene is watching turrets fire at something you can't see. Like, it's not from the point of view of the turrets. It's from the point of view of something looking at the turrets. 
And then it cuts okay. to them looking at a laptop screen, watching a bullet counter go down. And then it cuts to the turrets again. And the sense is that there's something happening that we don't know. And it's only at the last 10% that we just see some quick cuts of one or two aliens like exploding. But it's very like, like boom, and you miss it. Anyway, that's my favorite scene. I, we spent a little bit too long on it, but I was just, I did not even know that yeah. you guys hadn't even seen that's my favorite wild. scene. That's wild. That's so cool. <laughs> not even close. Oh, man. my I think my favorite scene is um like, oh, gosh. It's kind of hard, but I think it's got to be the scene when uh, Ripley and Newt are stuck in the med room. Oh, yeah. After the evil dude lets the face huggers free. Burke. Yeah. Burke, the asshole. Burke, the evil dude who you like almost all the way up until he reveals that he's actually evil. When she looks out the window and sees her gun yeah. outside. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That I think that's the only moment of like true horror in the movie. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, and it works so well. I was sweating. I, Cause like I, I knew that no one was going to die before that point. Other than like the, the, the few the Marines red shirts here and there. Yeah. The red shirts. <laughs> like, you know, you know, you know, all the Marines are going to die, but there I thought Newt was going to die. Like mm. I was like, I, I don't think that this girl's going to make it. I didn't think she was going to make it at all. So that was that was the first of a couple scenes when I was terrified for her, but yeah, I, 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 yeah, it was it did it did me in, man. I was terrified, and then but then it felt so good when they defeat the freaking facehuggers, man. Those things are so scary. They're so much scarier than the xenomorph, like yeah, so much. Scarier. They are. <laughs> they they're so ter- like the xenomorphs will kill you in absurdly like gruesome ways, but yeah. those things will hurt you, and like yeah. they won't kill you. I mean, they'll kill you eventually, but you'll it takes a while. Live long enough to remember how awful it was to birth an alien. That's how long. And you then live. you birth an alien. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, no, because you come back. Like you, you like no, no, I, you no, wake up. And you like, wake up and then you birth it. Yeah. Like you live long Ugh. enough to remember the face hugger. Yeah. Remember the implantation of the egg in your chest. Yeah. And then have it explode out of you. Yeah. John Hurt style. Yeah. Um, that's a great scene. That was my second place. Yeah. I, I love I love though when when Hudson like pins the one against the wall with the bookshelf on his tail and just shoots it like a million times. I was like, yeah, fuck you, alien hugger. I hate you. Right after they told us that they were limited on shells, too. Yeah. like that was great. Just like, shoot it forty times. This seems like a good use of your ammunition. Yeah. Well, they also have at this point. I don't really think they have a lot of a lot of rationale going on for what they're doing. They're panicking. They're they're fighting oh, for yeah. their lives. Well, and, and they, he is. They see the enemy. Yeah. Game over, man. Game over. Game over. <laughs> I, and I, I, it's kind of amazing also the way that scene begins too, because it starts with, I think the first time, well, we've seen, we've seen Ripley and, and Newt kind of connect, connect well, like, like uh, charismatically. But when, when Ripley like goes into the room, she's looking around to, for, for Newt and she can't find her. Mm-hmm. She's not in her bed, but the, the blanket is like draped over the side. And she lifts it up and Newt's down there. And like, for me, like that just made me think of my daughter. Like she, my daughter does that. Like she loves to get under things and like, but like obviously Newt's doing it because she's traumatized. Like she can't sleep in the open. Yeah. She has to be enclosed. And then Ripley comes and, and like cuddles up next to her. And that was just so beautiful. But then it just gets so horrific. Like in this moment of, it's almost like in this moment of, of in this moment of love, there's horror. Yeah, exactly. Like, like she lets down her guard a little bit and she leaves the gun on the top. And uh, that's why that's sort of why everything goes, goes crazy. Yeah. yeah. 
it's kind of like the horror yeah. of motherhood um the, the the fear of motherhood right yeah the deepest maybe. nightmares part of it yeah yeah, yeah. It's it's also like it's also a classic horror moment because yeah. like Newt is kind of terrifying almost, especially as a dad, because like she is she is somebody who's gone through something truly traumatic and they played it out really well. Oh, yeah. And like right now, my daughter does this does this thing where she hides under the covers where she's very obviously there. <laughs> um, but yeah. she, she loves to do the thing where like, you know, we say, Oh, where are you? And she's like, here I am. <laughs> um, it's yeah. It's such a classic little kid thing to do. And so for them to add that into this movie, but to do it instead of because of childhood sil- silliness to do it because of childhood trauma makes it like way more heartfelt. I was also thinking yeah. that maybe she's just more comfortable. I mean, she's just been sleeping in that like air vent. Yeah. Like she's just, she just likes maybe just the ground. Yeah. I mean, like not yeah. saying that anything you're saying is wrong, but like, you know, like we see this with some soldiers that come back, yeah. you sleep on the ground. It's, it's, it's comfortable for you to yeah. be there. Yeah. Well, I think in general, like you'd say that's a result of trauma, whether or not it's or conditioning. Okay, I guess conditioning too. I mean, I think in her yeah. case, it, like she wouldn't have slept that way if her family hadn't been killed and unless they all slept on board yeah i I slept i slept on a wooden plank in college so that's true i mean i did as well what but the thing is like she could have slept wrong with you people (laughs) (laughs) i love my comfortable bed i love comfort i'm a big fan of it no no not for me it's it's actually very much about conditioning because like after a few months you're like oof spring like anything with a mattress is like uncomfortable yeah and like only the floor yeah yeah floors you know i went camping a while ago which is Vito's favorite thing to do and like best sleep in my life just on the ground yeah so what are you doing knocking it maybe i should maybe i should get my get the old board out and sleep on that (laughs) like you have a sleeping board come on jesse and i have sleeping boards (laughs) (laughs) but the thing is with her is like she doesn't even go onto the ground she has to go underneath to the farthest end of the bed she hides uh, underneath the bed yeah it's very much about hiding what's your favorite scene jesse um so that that's my close second but my favorite scene has to be the first confrontation with the queen like like she's just running and she's running through this eggs through these eggs like carrying newt and the gun and then she stops and you notice something is weird about this place because there are so many eggs and the music stops she turns and she sees an egg being led or being laid on the ground and she follows the funnel of that egg sack. It's so disgusting. Like, it's so long and so gross, like all the way back to the xenomorph queen. And then they both just look at each other and the all the other xenomorphs crawling on the walls also stare at Ripley for a while. And she has her gun pointed at the queen like she can shoot but she chooses not to instead she slowly backs away and there's this like silent negotiation going on like you call your your soldiers off and you don't kill me and we will both walk away from this and then she suddenly switches and lights everything up with a giant flamethrower (laughs) and it's so amazing because that's what you want you're like no ripley please these things are evil and you know it kill them yep and it, it gives you exactly what you want, but it gives it to you in this really intense, unexpected way. Like, this is the most unexpected scene for me in this entire movie. Like, you never really see this negoti- silent negotiation coming. 
yeah, it's really well done. I've never seen anything quite like it in an, in another action movie like this. I have to also say this is the grossest part of the movie <laughs> when she shoots the grenades into the egg tube and just like, oh spits. yeah, it's it doesn't even so like blow wet. up. It's it just does it. And this is this liquid just pouring out. It's such a wet scene. It, everything is mucusy and, and oozy. And you're like, oh, oh, I, I, I want to shower it now that I have seen this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was weird. Yeah. yeah I, I think I, that was my second favorite. I'm so it's glad so, we're all so close. That's yeah, cool. it's so cool. Like it was so because like she's running, right? She she's gotten Newt, like she saved Newt, spoiler alert, from the uh from, from <laughs> we're, we're, like, yeah. we're like almost two hours <laughs> in. By the way, like we're gonna talk about spoilers on this episode, everybody. I have to throw it in there somewhere. She's and she's running with Newt, and like you know that the aliens are nearby. Like she like you're like, are they gonna get to the elevator in time? And then like there's all the smoke and all this stuff going on and then the smoke clears and like you said the music stops and she's standing in this field of face hugger eggs almost like mines almost like yeah. mines and she stops and she doesn't know what to do does she keep going and one of them starts to hatch one of them does open yeah i think it's actually that that's i think the opening of the egg is the precipitation towards the immolation that she that she oh, spreads okay. one okay. of the eggs like slowly opens and before the face hugger can like kind of emerge she she's like all right well now, yeah. now you're all going down well yeah because the negotiation oh is, yeah it's both like i won't kill you but i also won't destroy all of your children yeah that's the, that's the whole thing they're the all children, waiting for that. i think it, like i i felt i oh, felt like yeah. what it was was like um like ripley was like i have my child here yeah and you have your children here we will each go our separate ways in peace mm-hmm and I think without the egg opening, she would have continued going. Maybe. But with and then, the but egg opening, she's <laughs> like, oh, these are freaking evil. Well, <laughs> she, she would have gone and then she would have nuked it from a great distance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the aliens were always, she was going to end them no matter what. You know? Yeah, yeah that's true. I, yeah. Did, I did prefer the flamethrower method than the nuking method. Yeah. I want to see those things pop. But it also seemed like kind of a stupid thing to do because oh, yeah. then they all came after her. <laughs> okay. Can I talk about the one dumb thing in this movie? The one dumb thing. Okay. Is Alien Queen riding an elevator? <laughs> that was going to be my third favorite scene. Like, just the moment when she's like, oh, button she makes She looks thing. at the elevator. <laughs> and she gets on the elevator. And then they shoot the shot of the elevator opening. And she's like, I'm here. Here's Xenomorph Queen. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm just I'm just imagining like the like Xenomorph Queen like waiting for the elevator <laughs> down below. <laughs> it's gotta be a cut out there that's got that. <laughs> just waiting. I just that that's the only moment in this entire movie I felt kind of taken out of it. I was like, wait, the aliens riding the elevator. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, I I definitely felt taken out of it right there, but like you know, it's still a xenomorph queen, so they make it work. And she dis- she like disengages from her egg tube thing, which is also like really upsetting watching <laughs> that. <laughs> like the whole thing is just super upsetting. It's like, all right, well, all of these are gone now. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that we did that. Let's um I think that this kind of works into maybe talking about Ripley. Like Ripley, especially in that scene, and then further on in the in the loader scene. Um, she proves herself to be such a capable 
action star, number one, Sigourney Weaver. She's doing this again. You know, she played the final girl in Alien, but now she's truly kind of a warrior queen who stands above the rest of the warriors. But she's also acting in all this way, not all out of self-interest, like in the first movie of self-preservation. She's act. She goes back for Newt. She goes back twice for Newt. You know, once when she loses her down the shaft, and yeah. then once when she when Newt hides under the grate in the ship, and she lock goes into the out of the airlock. You know, yeah, she goes back a couple times to save this kid. There's no tactical reason she should do this. There's no, there's no benefit that she gains. But especially now, having seen the special edition and seeing the loss for Ripley when she realizes that she'll never see her own daughter again, and seeing Newt and them having this kind of gradually evolving mother-daughter relationship it was so touching that she would go to such great lengths for this adopted daughter you know this like foster daughter and that's incredible to see Uh, i i mean i was i was blown away i knew this was here but i haven't seen it since i've been a dad and now that i am one i am almost like in awe of the power of motherhood here (laughs) (laughs) yeah like she like i i think like you made a point earlier to to contrast that she is able to accomplish something that all the Marines can't. And it's precisely not in spite of, but because of her motherly tenderness, right? Her motherly self-sacrifice to go down for, for this child, whereas all the Marines were just there because they had a mission and they had to blow stuff up. But she's there, and since she has this, since she has this mission, she's able to... I don't know. It's like it's funny that Sigourney Weaver, as as a as a person, hates guns because her character almost doesn't need guns, right? She doesn't have a gun the whole time until she finally really needs one, and she needs to be able to take on dozens of aliens at a time. And she just goes down and does it. Uh, she's not scared of them. She's confronted them. She's she a one man wrecking crew. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's not even like that. She's like even as a character Ripley is not supposed to be incredibly ripped and able to, you know, bench 200 pounds. She is just pretty fit and a capable human being capable of handling her emotions. And that is what is needed here. Combine that with a selfless attitude of having to save a kid. She's able to do that because that's all that's really required for these aliens because they are terrifying they're not that they're not like unkillable she knows that for a fact because she killed one yeah yeah and now she's just gonna go down and kill dozens and i i think that's really cool like it it contrasts the sort of like characteristics that you would need to have in this situation versus like a, a ruthless marine who who genuinely is scared because they realize they can die and she's okay with dying yeah, she's um, like it, it's yeah. not worth it to live if I if if this girl doesn't if I don't try to save this girl. Yeah, yeah. It's such a fascinating image, like her overloaded with weaponry and the child at the same time. Yeah, like that was just it, it's it's almost shocking to see her like carrying these two guns. I'm kind of like frustrated about the way she's carrying them too. Like when when she gets off of the ship and she's got the flamethrower and like the, the assault rifle taped assault together. Rifle, like, yeah, they're taped together and they're over here. It's like, why don't you have them in both arms? She doesn't have them in both arms because she needs one to hold the girl. Yeah. That she knows is going to be okay. Um, I'm going to go down there. Yeah. I'm going to get her. 
I'm going to come back up. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That's how this is going to go. <laughs> and she carries that nine-year-old girl yeah. from way down in the bowels of, of the of the nuclear reactor all the way up. And that's just like, I don't know. I, it was it was very striking to see her like standing there with the girl looking at the, the mother alien and being like, you're going to let me go. Yeah. Or I'm going to kill all yours. That was, it was very cool. I, I love, and I then, love to, sorry, go ahead, Jesse. She lights up a flamethrower with Newt standing like <laughs> right behind her. <laughs> yeah. Like, also, what's fascinating is that, like, on set, that actually happened. She has like, a real flamethrower? Car- yeah, she has a real flamethrower. Oh Carrie Henn is standing right behind Gordy Weaver, <laughs> and she's burning the set. Oh, my God. This is not like like previous episode, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, <laughs> where, where Rick Dalton was like, holy shit, yeah, can we do something about, about the, that, uh, the, the, the temperature heat? on that? <laughs> no, Rick, it's a flamethrower. <laughs> yeah, the 80s wow. were not like that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I think that this is a, such a cool scene. Like, So we got the egg thing, right? And she has to stand off, but then she burns the eggs. She shoots some of the aliens. They make the getaway to the elevator. They ride the elevator up. There's that further standoff with the queen. Then the ship comes, picks them up, and flies away. And what's so cool about this is you in a normal movie, this would be it. Yeah. Right? But because it's not only an alien movie, because the alien always has the classic like third act like uh, fake out. Yeah. But also because it's a James Cameron movie. And the ending of the movie cannot be anything less than dialed up to 11 crescendo for as long as humanly possible. The last hour of Titanic is all the way up. <laughs> and so for this one too, it almost feels exhausting. Yeah. When you're sitting like, how are we going to do more stuff? But it still comes back and there she is in the loader. and She says... Get away from her, you bitch. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. The the mom moment movie award. <laughs> well done, James Cameron. Well done, Sigourney. Exactly. She nailed it apparently in one take. Got in that loader, said, get away from her, you bitch. Moves on with her and life. Threw the real life alien out of the spaceship. Yep. Yep, she did. They had a real one. It didn't work out. I hate it when we do this bit, but we're here doing the bit. Uh, this though... In terms of like how motherhood works in this movie, this is like the triumphant, like clarion call, right? This is the 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 movie fully unveiling all of its you know barely subtext into actual text, yeah, and saying like this is this is mom versus mom. This is like evil hive mom versus beautiful enlightened adoptive mom, you know, fueled by the pain and tragedy and rage of the 57 years that have been taken from her because of this species. You know what I mean? This is such a great moment. And it, I love that it's so fast too. I do it quick. And now I'm a punchy with this loader. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And can I just give a shout out to that loader? Like I was kind of blown away watching this like last night because I was like, Oh my gosh, that thing is real. That's not CGI. That is a real person in a real mech suit so cool because it's not just a loader it's a mech suit guys it's a mech suit it's a jaeger in the making (laughs) it's it's amazing and and you can tell like that thing is they actually made that apparently out of pvc yep um so it's not um it's it's not not real like i imagined it some some pieces (laughs) are working hydraulic some pieces are not when they show it in wide it's different than close but no matter what angle they shoot it in cool it is 
Well, it's Chekhov's loader. <laughs> Chekhov's loader, guys. You see a loader in the first act, you're going to see it in the third. <laughs> you know, the only way I would disagree with that is that in the first act, it's loading. In the second act, it's unloading a can of whoop ass. Well, okay. I mean, Chekhov's is like, if you, you just got it. <laughs> you know what? You know what? You got it. <laughs> Thank you. For sure. For sure. <laughs> but it was, it's a wonderful call by you. Chekhov's loader. Chekhov's. Uh, I will I will hold this for any movie. If you see a loader in the first act, it's gonna end up in the end. Boom. I I really <laughs> like I really like how they set it up. Like almost from like scene three, I think. Yeah. It's like they're like, oh, and you got a job down at the docks loading with a forklift. Yep. It's so <laughs> it turns out to be this mech suit. It's so good. And then they see it again when she's like, I know how to drive that, and everyone's super impressed. I was like, wow, that's really cool. Like, you're Where awesome, do you want buddy. it? And they just start laughing. Bay like, 12, please. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's cool. I mean, like, that dude, the freaking sales guy is like, you're lame now because you're you're doing, like, this manual labor on the docks. But in the end, like, who wins out? Mm-hmm. It's the one who will do anything she can to survive. Absolutely. Yeah. Just and, like a real and mom. And to do the right thing. Yeah, just like a real mom. Yeah. And the way that she sort of passes down some of this stuff to Newt. And honestly, watching Sigourney Weaver here, and James Cameron is kind of known, so he's known as kind of an autocratic director on his sets, kind of an asshole. He's an old school guy, I think, that kind of rules more by might than by understanding. But something <laughs> that is a common theme amongst all of his movies is very strong female characters that I always really appreciate. Yeah. And this one especially sort of heralds that beginning. So like Sarah Connor is great in The Terminator. She rises above. And at the end of that, you see her as this battle-worn hard ass that is ready to teach her son how to take on the future. But this one, it tackles Ripley at a really great time where she has to find something selfless about her. And it's great that she gets to fight the twisted mirror image of motherhood, this hive monster that is just birthing egg after egg of this this thing that will colonize civilizations and in a I parasitic love, way it a para, it's a parasite it's a par- it's, yeah the parasite of motherhood right and she contrasts that this isn't even her daughter she adopted this daughter she doesn't have a thousand eggs that are going to hatch little ripley's it's the one newt the one small lizard that she must take care of that didn't come from her i think that's beautiful and i think talking about this as a as a is a bomb movie. We're doing this for Mother's yeah, Day. Yeah. I think it's deeply inspiring. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I think it, it is. It is inspiring. Sigourney is in, and Ripley in general. I I like what they do. But also, I think this is also a, kind of a silly 80s action movie. A really oh, good. No. A what really are you talking about? Sci fi. Silly. It's silly. It's a little. It's not silly. I think it's a little. I don't, I don't think it's silly at all. I, I see. I see both of your points. I don't I'm think it's silly. I'm sitting right firmly in the middle here, <laughs> as per usual, Mike. From the like, middle of I, a seesaw, you neither see nor saw, Mike. <laughs> but I can't well, watch this both of you go up and down. Yeah. When when I say silly, I almost don't even mean it as like a. In this case, I don't mean it as a negative thing because I think it fully recognizes that and just like embraces it. Like you're going to be terrified by these giant plastic prosthetic monsters that are coming at you and it's great and it and it works 
Yeah, and like the like the Marines are caricature. Like everyone's most most people yeah. in the movie are caricatures. You've got the evil salesman caricature. You've got the super logical caricature. But then you've got Ripley, who does break that mold, right? Like the mold of a character. And maybe like we see them as caricatures because we've lived in a world where aliens has existed longer than we've been alive, right? But and especially the Marines. The Marines especially are like. They're like the quintessential like eighties. What exactly what I would expect from anything really corny and cheesy? But they take that, and they and some, especially with Sigourney Weaver and Ripley, they can flip it on its head and and make it rise to something more than a corny action movie that it should have been, and make it something really fascinating. Great. As long as we are settling on the fact that it is not in fact corny. Or cheesy. Well, I think what because Jesse's, by definition, yeah. it is not. Well, I think what Jesse's saying is that it has some of the bones that you'd see in a corny action movie from that. the '80s, right? Yeah, yes. I'm hearing that. But but by but what James Cameron has been able to do in writing this movie is make it rise above, like the corny. Stuff. As long as it, as long as we're saying it is above, yeah. it's like the That's it's it. like the pinnacle. That's of, all of that sort of movie. It is it's not above. the pinnacle of a corny cheesy movie. It is not the pinnacle. It is not that. It's something else. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I'm concerned with. It's what they're all trying to be. Yes, but it is not. It is not it's that. It's not that. No, it's it's, it's like if it's there's okay. if, if there's hold a on, house. Hold on, hold wait. on. No, okay, I'm speaking for you. We have to speak for yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I have to say there are some corny cheesy moments. It's it's all always the Marines. Always the Marines they, have those lines. Are they corny slash cheesy or are they just funny? It, it's sort of funny, but like what what is it when Vasquez does like the the arm shake thing and and. I, I can't remember. They say something like, oh, you, you kick ass, Vasquez. It's like, I don't know. That That's pretty corny and classically cheesy. Well, there's but, the joke. Like, do, does anyone ever mistake you for a man, Vasquez? And uh, <laughs> she, she goes, says, does anyone never? mistake you? <laughs> Which is hilarious, by it's the great. way. It's it great. is corny. Yeah. And it's something and that we've seen a lot. But I don't know if they, they you'd seen it a lot by the time this has come out. Like, Vasquez's right after, caricature? Yeah. Character? Is, has yeah. she been around in in movies? Like, it's just, it's it's a thing that has it's, existed it's up now, and, but it's up and coming and then they do the whole like the man the 80s handshake almost right after that happens and so that's when that's when there are like some classically classically cheesy marine moments in there but it, it if, doesn't if, if you want to if you want to think of them as cheesy in your mind then then i i invite you to but <laughs> i i will not allow I will allow criticism of aliens, but I will not allow any corny slash cheesy labeling of this movie. I will not. I will not. Full stop. I will. I will label that as corny and cheesy in your brain, but not quietly. No, no, no. objectively. <laughs> no, objectively. That no. Is, yes, we are going to have to walk away from yes. this. We're going to have to walk away from this. I, I, what I think we do all agree on, though, is that in in is that like it's a moment that's used to help us identify who these people are using some some things that we've seen before to help us like sort of like like we have this idea, this sort of mythos in our in our brain about like how Marines act with each other. And it's like, we're identifying them as Marines, but actually a little bit different. This is space Marines way in the future. And like women are a part of it. No, women, women are clearly like allowed in this space. It's not weird that they're here. Right. Yeah. It's it's fine. Everyone's like, it it feels like it's been going on for a long time. She's one of the best ones. She has, she she has one of the biggest guns. Yeah. She and her, her, her guy. 
the cool hip gun thing yeah, with the like, rotating arm. Yeah, Vasquez is a force to be reckoned with. I have to say, okay, the one criticism that I will level at this movie is that I think that the the tactics that they use um, in having the big gun go first into rooms is a really bad tactic. You should have the people with the smaller guns go first with the b- bigger guns as backup. That's my personal yeah. belief um, because they move a lot slower and are best used as a tank sort of in the back. Um, that's that's I, my. I only did like criticism. it though when they open a door and, and Vasquez like, like <laughs> fucking plants herself right in yeah, the middle it's and it's like, cool. all right, whatever's gonna come out of this thing, I'm gonna shoot it. <laughs> now, like, like like her standing there as the door opens in front of her, that makes sense. Her like having to make all those oh, motions, okay, yeah. and lead it in like that doesn't because she could be killed by whatever's on the other side sure. as she's trying to level her gun. And big that's, tank gone. Yeah, big tank gone. You've lost. You, yeah. Only, only criticism on my part here. I think it's a fair one. Yeah. It's, it's one yeah. of the few fair ones I've heard this evening. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, no, I do, I do kind of want to talk a little bit about that, like, like uh, about like Vasquez and the Marines. Like, it's really kind of fascinating what he's doing. Like, this came out the same year as Platoon, sure, right? And it definitely seems like there's callbacks to Vietnam. A lot of callbacks to Vietnam, like the main one of the main Marines is an actual Vietnam vet. The way they're going down in the shuttle, sort of blind, the way that they're treating their um, th- this is all stuff that they're, we've seen they're, in they're other in, movies. They're about in tunnels Vietnam. frequently yeah, they're in against tunnels. an enemy that weaponizes the environment against them and uses claustrophobic spaces to pin them in places. Yeah, yeah, it's fat. It, like it, it's it's very interesting that that he's chosen to do that. I don't know, like I don't know if there's more there than to just be like, huh that's interesting or if he's like making a statement like about i don't know the military industrial complex or something like that i I will say if there is a statement here (laughs) if there is a one-to-one comparison i really do not want him to elucidate who the alien is (laughs) do you know what i mean (laughs) i i i I, I don't i don't want to know i don't want him to explicitly state the comparison that's fair i mean i don't mean doing the bug hunt on yeah (laughs) exactly exactly yeah like i i don't I don't fully think it's there. I, I think, I, I think he uses it. Yeah, he. I guess he'd be drawing then from the original Alien, right? Which also does this the thing where it is taking sci-fi elements and using it to make the horror, and he's using Vietnam elements to make this story here. So I think he's drawing conclusively from the original Alien. Uh, line of thinking with this and i don't really see a huge statement here about the uh, military industrial complex yeah that, think, that, that makes sense i think there's a tiny amount of commentary with the fact that as as these things always go right we have the giant corporation that's yeah. coming in that is going to try and weaponize this thing and i think there is a little bit of commentary about avatar yeah i know <laughs> i think there is a little well i mean that one is directly a commentary about the iraq war i think yeah. Yeah, yes, yes, I know, I know. <laughs> but I this one, there. I think he's also drawing a weird, uh, a weird something. I don't know exactly the the strategic nature of Vietnam as opposed to what Burke is trying to do for the big corporation getting the alien. Like, yeah. if you're going to read into it, you have to read into it hard. So I, I don't think, yeah, I, I didn't mean to express it like, oh, you know, we've got this one-to-one relationship no, no, between sure. like, oh, we've got like the Marines going into Vietnam, like, I don't think he's saying like, oh, these aliens are are like a specific enemy that the United States has fought against at any specific time, but more just like, I don't know, the the United like the the United States is many years in the future, and they still have this massive military where that's kind of subsuming a privatized everything. army, almost. Pri- yeah, yeah, this ma- that's subsuming everything um, that's works hand in hand with the big corporations, which is you know something that that we've heard a little bit about. 
in the past, <laughs> I don't know, also future hundred years, <laughs> and and their relationship with it, this corporation that's abusing both in order to make money, both the the citizens and the military to do that, and the military that's working hand in hand with them, sort of sacrificing the lives of grunts in that in that pyre. Yeah, only in this case, in this case, the. Um... The Marines have no idea what's really going on, right? Because Burke wants to take back samples. And once they figure that out, they say, let's nuke the whole place. Yeah. yeah. Against that, what Burke wants. Yeah, it's, that's that's definitely true. Like, but but those guys are definitely grunts. Like, they are not the decision-making people. And, and I don't know. I, I don't think we need to go much further down this path. But, like, in, in my mind, you know, there's, like, the evil overlord, like, general who's, like, you know, in league with a, with a corporation, they're like, yeah, we're going to go and weaponize this because like he said, you know, he wants to bring it back for weapons development. Who knows? Like they seem to be doing fine without them, but we need to find a new way to impregnate our enemies. (laughs) (laughs) The essential horror of the alien franchise. I think that brings us very neatly into where we're going next. Is this a dad movie? Number one, and number two, is this the mama's dad movie ever or the daddest mom movie ever? I have no idea what those things mean. That's what we're here <laughs> to discuss. <laughs> Jesse, do you have a sense of the difference between a mama's dad movie and a daddest mom movie? So the mama's dad movie would be a dad movie that has some mom elements in it or the daddest mom movie, which would mean to say this is quintessentially a mom movie with some dad elements in it. Wait, mm. the mommest dad movie. Oh, please don't get hung up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I just want to be clear. The mommest dad movie is a dad movie with mom elements. And the mommest dad. The, Shit. Yeah. With I the can't most mom just, elements. Just read it. Possible. Just read it. it. It helps. The one that has mommest first. Yes. If it's a dad movie, that is mom ish. Mom-ish, it's a dad movie with mom elements. If it's a mom movie that's dad-ish, it's a mom movie with dad elements. Okay, got it. Uh, it. It's grammatical, right? Momist is predicating dad movie. Oh, good. This is very dad. That helps me. Dadist is predicating mom movie. Indeed. Okay. Indeed. Here we go. Forsooth, sir. (laughs) I have asked. (laughs) (laughs) Jesse, in your opinion. I'm really excited. Is this momist or dadist? This is the mommest dad movie because this is quintessentially a dad movie yeah. and not quintessentially a mom movie, I think. This is the mommest dad movie we can possibly do. I might have to agree, and I don't want to because I love that there's a big-ass action movie that is entirely about like both the trauma and horror of motherhood, but in this twisted, weird, alien way. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like... It's so terrifying, and I can only imagine being someone that would bear children seeing this nightmare on screen and how much more frightening that would be. I might have to go with you, though, because of how brawny and military this movie is. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I think it's the Mama's Dad movie. It is a dad movie, for sure, and it has very strong mom elements. It's the sort of movie that, like, like, yeah, that's why I love your mom, you know? Like, cause she's this, she's this person and your kid's like, what? She doesn't kill aliens. Like, <laughs> dude, you don't even have any idea how many aliens she's killed. She's killed that's, why, that's why you don't see her doing it. And it's, but it's just you and the kid cause she is not there. <laughs> yeah, 
So I can't wait to do our, our alien franchise sit down for Mother's Day, which will have been to yesterday when this comes out. Oh, yeah, it will yeah. have been. Yeah. Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Can't wait to make my wife do this for her for her special day. But <laughs> to reverse it back around, yeah. given that it is the daddest uh, mom, 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 mom is dad, dad mom's dad, we're doing mom's dad. Yeah. Given that's the mom's dad, does that mean that this is a dad movie, Mike? Oh, absolutely. This is a dad movie. This is so, yeah, this is fantastic. I uh, it's it's definitely something that I'll definitely, you know, revisit, turn on regularly. Um, it's so it's so good. It's so much fun to see like I don't know, like like special effects that are um, are real, like like physical stuff. I, I am such a huge fan of that. I mean, that's part of what I love about the Lord of the Rings series is the Weta Workshop, all the Weta Workshop stuff. There's the Weta Workshop. Yeah, the Weta Workshop. <laughs> um, CGI is is great. I love it. Yep. Given a lot of money to the stuff that uses it. <laughs> <laughs> I have personally helped finance at least one Marvel movie at this point. <laughs> wow, that's a lot of million dollars. Man. That's a hundred million dollars. <laughs> it's, it's I've been renting a lot of stuff on Amazon. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, no, and I mean, like, I, I really do mean that though, because it is um, it is something that like I identify like. If my wife does listen to this, she's gonna be like, Mike, you're an idiot, but in a loving way. Yeah. Like she like Ripley is like, yeah, this is like my wife. Like I see her doing stuff that is not killing aliens and like leading men, but I see her leading and being like, Mike, do this thing. That's a smarter thing to do. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Um, she's a great, she's a great leader. And, and I trust her to, to run away with our kids from the aliens and kill all the aliens while she's at it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess I also really like Ripley because she, I, so like Vasquez can kind of get under my skin sometimes. It's like, she feels like she has to be in charge almost. Whereas in some ways, Ripley's strength comes from knowing what is needed of her in any given situation. Like, she doesn't have to be in charge, but she knows the best thing to do right now, so she's going to go to it. She doesn't want to um, get into a fight, but yeah, but, but if, she she's in one, if she's in one, she'll end it. And she's going to go all the way, right? Yeah. It's not that she wants to be there. She has to be there. And, and that's what makes Ripley such an engaging character. So anyway, yeah, this is a dad movie, this dad movie all the way, and these strong mom elements just... In, almost make it more of a dad movie in some ways they do yeah yeah they, they i would really say they do. do because it, yeah. it's not so much like that 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 macho bullshit yeah. you know it's not it's not just flexing your your bloody pumped up muscles yeah and triumphing over the the, the dead corpses of your enemies it's it's about something deeper something more yeah i'm sorry i didn't want to cut you off jesse oh no go ahead yeah, I agree. This is a dad movie, though. This is a this is a three for three. We're all here, and I, I love what you said, Mike. Too. So for this being our first Mother's Day episode, we know it was kind of a zag to do this. And if you listened this far, you know, God bless you. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for joining. We really appreciate you. We just wanted you to talk about this. Award. Yeah, we wanted to talk about this. Though, and if you're a mom, and you listen to this, and you appreciated our discussion anyway. Please let us know because you know this comes out of a, a not only a deep love for the movie Aliens, but a deep love for our wives, a deep love for our moms, a deep love for the strong women in our lives that have have shown us a good example that have helped us become the dads that we are today and who will not watch this movie with us 
Mine did. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and she liked it a lot. <laughs> I actually mean that. She really did. Yeah. She really did not like that that first alien, but she really liked this one, which I thought was really cool. Uh, yeah. But we're really happy that we did this, right? Everyone's happy? Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I love aliens. So much fun. Yeah, this was a fun conversation, guys. Yeah. Really appreciate it. I liked I liked digging so deep. This was oh, this yeah. was cool. But for all of us here at Not Your Father's Movie, closing our Mother's Day episode. Happy Mother's Day. I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Jesse. Have a great night.